Welcome in folks, Pro Football Ireland, it's a Wednesday now, so of course that means James, you'll hear me, Mark Hogan speaking, not Michael, he's out recording with Phoebe Schechter, if you're at that show I hope you enjoyed and I hope if you're at this Saturday show, it was a massive weekend for us at Pro Football Ireland, we had Neil Reynolds, we're going to talk more about that on Thursday's podcast, me, Jason and Michael, but James, you were a man that was definitely brought up to me and I have to ask you, are we ever going to bring a fantasy aspect into this podcast it has been requested uh, i wouldn't mind it to be honest. um i think in 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 all years uh my fantasy team this year i i do it with, with a mate of mine who doesn't know an awful lot about football so i kind of run it for him so i kind of treat it as my own team he's part of his own work organization and yeah we were having a tough year we had deshaun as our quarterback he's gone you know we had darren waller as our tight end He's gone. <laughs> just, not so far. I, I, I hate to report that I have a losing record at the minute, so not good. Not good so Do far. You know what? We have, a, we have a fairly decent league now, and I'm in the sixth seed at five and six, with obviously a losing record. And it's gas because only 30 points scored on the year separates the number one seed with a nine and two record from the second to last on a three and whatever record. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a pretty competitive league now, but the. Going forward, and we're going to talk about this towards the end of the show, and it's definitely all those injuries and it's catching up. And it's like, where do you place whether it's a fantasy team or an actual NFL team? But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think you'd be a fantasy man. You, you do your own team next year, would you? I will, I will, of course. And I suppose with, with with being involved in this podcast to a degree, I have people now asking me, "Will can you do a league? Will we do a league? You know, just people locally. <laughs> do a league? I said, That's fine, no problem. But you're right. I don't think there's anything that quite invigorates me as much. As when I have a good player like Devontae Adams and he's going shocking. It just drives me soft. That you're saying this is this is this was my banker, you know. This is the guy I, I my first pick, this is the guy I went to, and he's going terrible. Now I understand, you know, it's a collective effort, but I just get so frustrated at and it's in the wording, a fantasy league. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is not serious, this is not real. <laughs> but it drives me crazy every Sunday. Did you ever play the soccer one? No, I didn't know. I'm glad no. you're locally with, Playing soccer when I just no, I haven't got that. I'm not see, I'm not up to it as much. I follow soccer, but I wouldn't follow it as closely or in depth as I would with the NFL. Um, but the NFL, like I got beat, I got beaten last week. Not not I won this week, but I got beaten last week by point two five a point. And and the sorry, that was two weeks ago. And the week last week, I chose to put in the Patriots defense versus the Niners. And if I put in the Niners defense, I would have won. And I lost. So I'm just <laughs> I'm making, hey. my, this is hard overhead. We might be onto something because it was either that or a betting podcast. And I said, I'm not doing the betting podcast because you only get whatever about fantasy. You'll only hear more about the betting. Although if it works out, it works out. And I think we're pretty good. I think people are enjoying the podcast. That was definitely the feedback that I got on, um, on Saturday. Ooh. We're going to um, have a bit of a different show. Like I said, obviously, Michael isn't involved in this one. And that coupled with no Patriots, James. I mean, the week off. I mean, how did you enjoy that? It was probably a nice one for you. It was a break. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, I didn't have as much heartache in the last seven days, you know, so it was a break and you know, it was nice to see kind of, you know, the Patriots not in the news for the wrong reasons. Like it's just We've been in the news for the last three or four weeks for the wrong reasons, whether it be the quality of play, the quarterback situation, all the talk about the head coaches or, or the staff in general, you know, Robert Kraft, what's he going to do? So it was just nice to kind of get five or six days of a reprieve of that. But it's even, Bill, Bill had his, his press conference today and of course he said he, he'll, He'll tell everyone on Sunday who's going to be the quarterback. So now you can see it's, the wheel is starting to turn again. <laughs> it's getting going. So all the chatter will be from now up to the game is Mac Jones going to start. Um, 
personally speaking, I think he doesn't. I think Bailey Zappi goes in. Um, I think probably Bill, after the situation with the Colts last drive, has seen enough. So I'd say potentially he, you could you could look probably say Bailey Zappi happening. I don't think we're going to see Will Greer in any way at all. But I'd say Bailey Zappi is going to get a full game or at least as close to a full game because right now we're in the territory whereby obviously we're out of contention and we're just really looking at, at draft order. We're third, we're third now at the minute and I don't think it's in the DNA of Belichick or Kraft alike to go and uh, what's the word they use, tank game. So I think he's going to try and see what he has at his disposal. And you know, you, you never know how these things work but they, they put in players and, and give them a run to try and build up some draft capital and get, get, get some exposure to, to use them. So, this is a quarterback heavy draft, so I, I would be very, very surprised if I don't see um the Pats pick one off. Yeah, like it's kind of moving week, isn't it? That's why you think Bailey Zappi might be in there. We saw the Jets have obviously yeah. benched Zach Wilson. We saw the Steelers move on from Matt Canada probably a week too late. And I suppose talking about the Steelers, obviously we had a massive weekend in Ireland with them having the, the party up in Crow Park. Is it something that came across your timeline naturally or did you seek it out or pay attention to it in any way? Obviously you weren't there. No, it's, see, I, I suppose the way the algorithm works on, on Twitter or, or actually where to call it, I know my, my Twitter is very is very NFL heavy in this season and then mm-hmm. as you come towards March, April, it becomes very GEA heavy. So I came across it, I saw kind of snippets of videos of, some of the what they were probably doing was train exercises, a couple of interviews that were carried out, one by yourselves, obviously. Um, and it just it seemed like a, a good, you know, it was, it was a great market deci- marketing decision, if you ask me. I thought the Steelers were very sharp for coming over and, and contributing to this and, and and being part of it, um, both with the youth showing them some of the drills and also with the with the bit of function that was held in, in Croker. So it's, it seems like Steelers have become, um, and I wouldn't have thought it all this way, but it, it seems they have grasped kind of the, the, the the Irishness, if you know what I mean, they're they're looking at an Irish market and saying this is potentially a market that we can tap into. Obviously, there's roots here from before, um, but like again, they're 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 a famed organization, family-run organization. And look, I I'm all for it. The more teams that come over to this country, whether it be Dublin or Galway, north, south, east, or west, I don't mind. The more they come over, it shows an interest and the way the game keeps getting traction. And like I'm just I'm hope I'm hopeful we get a game in the future. And then being selfish, I'm hoping it's the Patriots. But I I mm. think with the work the Steelers have done. So far, they're likely to get one and and allow themselves to, to have one in Ireland, hopefully not, not too far away. Yeah, 2027 seems to be the expectation that's been put on after this weekend. And like I said, it was a massive weekend for the NFL in Ireland. We're going to probably talk more with me, Jason and Michael. But when you talk about Crow Park, it is funny. A couple of nuggets that I picked up. Crow Park put a lot of money into having the place look well, is what I was told from someone. That they obviously are angling for a game. And Jarlett Burns obviously is the man coming in next. And he wants to be the one that says, I brought it back. Larry McCarthy was uh, great to have there the other day because (laughs) when he left, they shut the place down <laughs> so it's kind of funny to see the power of the man but yeah Crow Park yeah. investing a lot of money because they obviously wanted and Dan Rooney himself as he walked out I said goodbye to him I actually said to him and I'll repeat this so excuse me for um if you're listening to this and then tomorrow's podcast but um I said to him I don't think I ever need a game just bring keep on bringing these watch parties back because it was the perfect setup where we didn't have to there was no cynicism. If that game, the Browns Steelers, was played out in Crow Park, the non NFL fans that don't appreciate this build up that we're going through now in the hope of getting a game would have been like, what was that? What a 13 10 game? No score from mm-hmm. the Steelers in the first half. That cynicism was gone and it was just pure passion. And really surprisingly, or it wasn't surprising, what surprised me, and I actually said this to, was it Santonio Holmes or someone? I said to Feneca, I said, I wasn't surprised 
that they filled the premium suite in the Hogan stand. What I was surprised with is that it was all Steelers and everyone has the gear. And I was like, where is this gear living? It's just in wardrobes across the island of Ireland. You know, that kind of way. It's that seeing it like that was insane. Now, look, I was wearing a cardigan with a Steelers logo on the front of it, courtesy of my brother, who's a Steelers fan. So I suppose we all became Steelers fan for the day. Like Aidan O'Shea was up on stage. He had one. Hannah Tyrrell was there. She was given a jersey. Stephanie Roach, Michael, like I suppose they are trying to bring those influencers in as well to grow. And that's why I was asking you, did it come, did you come across it? Because I wonder, is it just NFL people that came across it or is it no. now broadening out a bit further? I, yeah, I think it's probably, I think the GEA as well have kind of copped onto this where they buy, they see, you know, a market. Obviously the GEA is an amateur organization, but the more you can align yourselves with professional organizations, whether it be rugby, you know, 16 years ago, with, with the Six Nations have played there, or or or, or NFL, I think I think it only it only serves the good. And I, a question I had for myself was, you know, how Larry McCarthy, obviously he's he's New York based, um, coming from, from from that that club, if you like, did he did he have much of an influence in trying to persuade the Steelers people over? Possibly, maybe he did, but I think it's good business. That's the word I'd use. Um, like likes the GA and corporate, they don't do anything for free. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's there's a bit of a, there is, and I guess to be honest, there's there's a bit of you know, it's a bit of a give and take here. So, like, obviously, they put on a good show for the Steelers organization and the people that come over to represent the organization. And it may be, you know, you never know in what way that be reciprocated. Now, a game, as you said, I would imagine there'd be heavy, heavy competition between the GEA and probably like the likes the RFU, FBI for for the Viva. For any question, I was always, I always looked at the just to get onto a game for a second if there was potentially a game and when, when rugby was played in Crow Park. It, you know, the, the parameters of the pitch look quite, you know, small in contrast to the actual stadium itself. So obviously the Viva is much much more well suited in, in pitch parameters. But I think the Crow Park atmosphere, uh, I can say this firsthand, when the place is full and rocking, it doesn't matter what size the pitch is, to be honest. And it, provi- it provides a great kind of sound table for any player who's there. And I think the NFL guys, if they come over and part- partook, you know, in a game of Crow Park with a full house, you know, they, it, would, it would be just like having a full Gillette Stadium or a full, you know, um, a full SoFi stadium. It, it just it provides that atmosphere. So I, I don't think the NFL was not saying they would, but I don't think they'd ever regret a decision to come over to this 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 part of the world and play a game because there is there is definitely a fan core there. I, I, I'm not sure it's because I'm you know partaking in this in this podcast, but it just seems like the more I, I talk to people and there's more conversations on the NFL, which I don't feel like it was had before because at the very beginning of this podcast I had said to you it's good to talk to people, like-minded people, and share you know in depth. I suppose conversational NFL that seems to be happening more and more. It just seems like it's getting more traction, more publicity. It's in people's sitting rooms more often on the phones, etc. So I, I just think it's all good news. It's all good news as far as I'm concerned. I don't see any drawback for for anyone, whether it be the GA or Pittsburgh or any NFL organization, by doing what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, we weren't supposed to focus on this for too long, but I do want to make a couple of points because I I can't see it going to the Viva. I think it'll definitely be Crow Park because Dan Rooney is so into the history and he understands the links, whether that's his down heritage or like what Crow Park is, obviously that game in 1997. So mm-hmm. I, I think, and also I saw him be pulled away multiple times for yet another tour of the stadium. So he's well used to it at this point. So I do think it would be there and they just want to get as many people in. But uh, yeah, speaking about the more people being into it, funny enough, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but Massey Quinn came over to us and said hello at the end of the night, which was really cool of him to come in. And he was kind of saying about that growth that he said five years ago, he did something with off the ball. And he thought the time to strike was maybe five years ago on a podcast. He said like he was waiting since then 
for something to come out of it. And he was, you know, complimentary of us, which we, we really appreciated. And um, hopefully we'll have him on sometime. I was thinking you're under pressure now, James, as you're the uh, face of the GAA and NFL. But uh, Mossy Quinn said he might want to be it as well. But it, it was that he, say, he was saying it himself that he's been going to games since 2006, 2007, going over to see his Tennessee Titans. And that now it's that it's exploded. And that's what it resulted in the other day with the Pittsburgh Cedars, that it's been a passion that a lot of people were forced almost to keep to themselves because they didn't know who else would relate to it. Whereas now it's like, if you bring it up to someone, odds are they actually have an idea, which is really, really cool. But I suppose, um, like I said, we're going to talk about that more tomorrow, although I really appreciate talking to you now. I know it's going to be something that we're going to talk about during the summer and everything, because like we said, it's just such a historic time. And Neil Reynolds at our show on Saturday reflected something that I've been saying, that we all have to appreciate this moment that we're in right now when the fans are the good kind of fans and it's all passion and all positive and everyone wants to talk to one another about it. There's no arguments about, oh, my player is better than yours for the sake of just having it. There's no animosity yeah. because your team is better than mine or whatever. I think that we'll always look back and this is the glory years whatever happens next happens ne- next but we are so lucky that we can get into a room whether that's the woolshed on saturday whether that's the deer head in belfast with michael and phoebe tonight or something like crow park it has been fantastic but uh yeah let's actually talk some football and i suppose we'll dive in <laughs> finally with um the big game of the weekend was the super bowl matchup that was on the replay i should say on monday night the eagles 21 17 over the chiefs i don't really know where to start because the weather kind of put a dampener on yeah, both offenses right. but it's like well did it really put a dampener on the Chiefs offense because we don't know what they're like they came out running heavily Um, I would say that Patrick Mahomes had what 38 yards and they were all off the back of scrambles because he could see nothing downfield so whereas we'll get into the Eagles in a second Um, may I jump straight to the end in that drop Tyreek oh, Hill yeah. came out defending it straight away and saying everyone, all fans make it seem easy under those bright lights. And James, to me, the lights are only going to be brighter in the playoffs when you're going to be expected to make those cuts. Just because it's on Monday Night Football, like, it's only getting more intense from here. Can we go back to the narrative from last year when we were slating the wide receivers and saying that they don't have them? Because it looks like that's the that's the full storyline now. Like They just don't have the talent. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And like I know we have to make an allowance for the weather. I understand that. I get that, right? But like, if you look at the yardage, um, the Chiefs have more yardage than Philly, but there is no excuse, as far as I'm concerned, not to score points three games in a row in the second half. Like, if you're a Super Bowl champion right, and, and defender and, and, and a possible contender again at top of the AFC or, or was top of the AFC, that can't happen. They have scored 53 points in the second half in 10 games, you know, five points a half, which is, which is quite frankly, it's brutal, to be honest. And in fairness, I think Mahomes is doing what he can. You know, the, the O-line play is, is pretty okay. Like, Pacheco had, there was 120 yard yards, he said, rushing in the first half. They were in 17-7. This was pretty good. You know, they should have been 24-7, if you ask me, uh, red zone turnovers. But their efficiency just seems to be so far down. They're, you know, third down the second half. They were two for nine. Terrible. All due respect. You know, uh, red zone turnovers, they had two. Philly went, went to the red zone three three times and came away with three. You know, so they just, they don't seem to be clicking. And, Obviously, the trade deadline is well gone, so they have what they have. And it's it's uncharacteristic for someone like Kelsey to turn over the ball like he has. But I was just looking at a statistic. I love looking at statistics after these type of games. Like, he's got he's got 15 fumbles in his career, which is quite quite a lot, you know, for a man for a man who who, who has um, who's quite quite rightly in the in the conversation for the, one of the best ever. But, like, in that situation, it can't happen. And 
Mahomes throw, I, I don't know what he was doing to throw to Bayard, but that, that just didn't look like, you know, the, the Mahomes had come accustomed to. Um, Watson is your best receiver, you know what I mean? Well, to Scanlon, I, I looked at it, see, the, the trouble was for me, and this is me looking at it as a novice fan, we're not a novice fan, but, you know, an Irishman, as I call it. They're going to throw Devante Smith, mate. Or, or, sorry, caught. You know, to get them down prior to the, the Philly show. Like that, that was a hard throw, albeit it wasn't probably as hard as the, the MVS catch, but that was a super catch. Put them right in position, seven points. Thank you very much. You know, whereas with the the the, the throw that Mahomes threw to Dallas Scanlon, there was like, that was a second and 10, one, 14, on the clock. Next thing you know, it's fourth and 25. It's just the game is gone. You know what I mean? And the turnover, I think if I, if I'm not mistaken, um, you might correct me this one, Mark. It was like punt, three or four plays, punt, six plays, uh, fumble, punt, red zone turnover, you know, turnover on downs. Like that was their second half, which was shocking. And, and, and not, and I think this game, like I kind of allowed myself to say the Chiefs probably, you know, they stuttered if you go back to Denver. But what they've done in the last couple of weeks, I'm thinking, geez, they're, they're not quite the contender I saw. Still, still looking pretty in the in the in their division, obviously. But I just don't. I, I, I'm struggling to see how it's going to get clicked yet. You know, and I, obviously I'm coming from the pitch perspective where we had bad receiving cores, but still won. So there's still, you know, there's loads of talent in the Chiefs group in in certain positions. So you, you just don't know. But again, it was it was a very very bad showing on behalf of the receivers and. The pressure is just going to, it's going to get higher and higher and higher as the weeks go on. Yeah, you know, I'm actually going to disagree and say that I think that Devontae Smith's 41-yard catch was harder because he has to adjust and he actually slows down. Plus, the coverage is super tight on whereas the MVS one, like, when I saw it, it brought me back to, I don't know, was it eight years ago now? There was a John Brown play for the Arizona Cardinals. People might remember it because it went viral. He caught the ball like in such stride and gets across the end zone and then went viral for having this mad dance celebration that was kind of wacky and fun. And that's why he went viral. But it was also this sensational catch. It's like MVS dropping. It's like you just have to like, I know just have to like that ignores the weather that ignores the situation that it's like to win the game and all that. But it's not a Super Bowl. It's not a playoff. Like, as Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, said afterwards, was it a revenge game for them? He's like, no, we're not getting any rings for this. This is It was a nice win to get, but, like, it was a game yeah. to us. Yeah, it's on Monday Night Football. It's like, if MVS can't do it at home and all that that goes into it, it's like, I don't give him too much of an excuse. It's like, he'd beaten the defender. Like, he'd use the speed. And this goes back to his time in Green Bay. He used to have these routes as well and drop the ball. So it's like, it's not on Patrick Mahomes. I was looking then, funnily enough, because I, I was trying to look for a number and look, some people hate numbers, but I was going to use this one anyway. But Patrick Mahomes, he's seventh in total passing yards, if you want to look at it that way, but he's averaging 6.9 yards per attempt. That's the same as Will Levis, Sam Hell, Jordan Love, and Anthony Richardson. It's a whole yard behind the top six, which is the likes of Her- Hertz, Dak, Lamar, Stroud, Tua, and Purdy. Purdy's a massive 9.7 yards. That's a whole yard in front of anyone else. But it's like yeah. he's three yards per attempt behind Purdy. When you're trying to talk about an explosive offense, the Chiefs are 19th in the league in terms of how many t- yards they get every time they throw the ball. So volume that? means that they're putting up a lot of yards. But like when you actually break it down, it is all those short plays. Like Justin Watson's touchdown should have been how the game goes because the Philadelphia Eagles pass defense isn't what it was last year. And it's like the pass rush doesn't get to Patrick Mahomes. There's no one within five yards of Justin Watson, and it's a very easy touchdown. But other than that, it's like you're talking about the interception that Patrick Mahomes threw. I can never put a bad throw on Patrick Mahomes. He never had 
the space to loft that in like he wanted to like what it must have been what 20 yards out maybe and it's like he just yeah. didn't have the trajectory never could have gotten up and under it was never going to happen so it's like you do have to put that one on him um, just like I suppose you can put Jalen Hurts had an interception that he felt a bit of uh, pressure and he underthrew AJ Brown but if we turn to the Eagles and what's so impressive about them is AJ Brown has one catch for eight yards Meanwhile, Devontae Smith has six catches for 99. We talked about that 41-yarder. He also had two early ones that must have been for 11 and 20 yards that were really nice as well. And it's great to see him obviously grow into the game. But when we were talking earlier on in the year about AJ Brown being a potential non-quarterback MVP, when Mm -hmm. he is covered and can't get free, what a luxury it is to have that Devontae Smith, and this goes back to a story since last year, that that offense really is clicking now that they do have so much going on the running game seems to work and obviously Jalen Hurts he didn't have a fantastic game again if we're putting it for the weather we can say that um yeah they have to be happy with that showing from Devontae Smith yeah uh, everyone I think yeah because I suppose in his rookie year like Devontae Smith showed flashes after coming out of a series campaign in college second year doing okay this year he seems to have grown and it's it's it's, it's like what I was saying about um Miami a couple uh, last week or the week previous when you've got the likes of Hill, Waddle, and Hill, and one can complement the other when the other one is locked down, it's it's a it's a major weapon or, or arsenal to have, you know, in your team. And like, if you look at the parts, I think like again, he, there was only fourteen receptions. I think I think there was only fourteen receptions. That that doesn't scream like a, a team that was overly, you know, explosive. Like I know the weather played that, but when they when they visit the red zone, I know I said it a minute ago, they came way successful. So they're they're, they're a team that just seems to operate on very very close efficiency. And like that, that Philly shove, I love it. Like I know you hear talks about this, about potentially head coaches or GMs and about maybe banning it because it's dangerous, this, that. I love the science of it and how it's it's so successful. I think I heard a stat recently where they have like a 94% success rate in that. that, that that's colossal. Like normally NFL teams, when they when they see something new, they cop onto it quite quick and they negate it quite quick. But no one sees no one seems to have the answer. So like they just they have balance everywhere. You were right. Um the swift touchdown. I thought it was a holding call, but anyways, <laughs> like their efficiency, their efficiency on the run, their efficiency at all line play, their defense is obviously stacked to say with their front line. The receivers are brilliant. You know, the quarterback is he's he's a dual threat, he can do he can do it all. So they just they look they look like they've put their head above the parapet, to be honest, Mark. And I think they're 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 I think everyone would agree if you say either the front runner. I think everyone, if you can go into Arrowhead on tough conditions, in against Mahomes and come away with a victory and and basically shutting out the opposition for the second half. That's not to be laughed at. And I wouldn't even say they played awesome. They just did what they had to do to win, which is a sign of a great, of a really, really good team, if you ask me. Yeah, because if, if MVS does catch that ball and the Chiefs win the game, I, like I, <laughs> I love saying it, after, matter of fact, afterwards, like I would have still been critical of the Chiefs. Like I, I hate when you, when a, when a win, like you focus on the team in a positive light, like, even if the Chiefs had won that, you still have to say that they have a lot of holes. Like, yeah, you might have called it gutsy or whatever that they're still able to win. But look, ultimately, they didn't. And they didn't, like you say, score in the second half. So it's like, it's not like they were trending towards winning. It's like that that play coming off, that's that's why they don't score because those plays don't come off for them. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts, obviously, when you say the brotherly shove or the tush push, they put him in a position, and this is why I, I am for it and I don't know if I'm for against it. I really don't care to be perfectly honest. Like, yeah, I think it's frustrating 
and I don't want my team to come up against it because it's so successful and like it looks so automatic. But the thing is, other teams aren't executing it. But second of all, the Chiefs wouldn't put Patrick Mahomes in that position to do it because ever since he got injured on a running play, they don't want him running with the ball holding it in his hands anymore. So it's like the Eagles are doing something very brave, especially this year when you see so many quarterbacks going down, putting Jalen Hurts in danger like that. Like at the end of the day, you are getting covered, like, you know, in an absolute scrum that you never know yeah. what's going to happen. Who was it I saw? Um, oh, it was, your, um, it was your Patriots in last year, or sorry, last week in... Frankfurt, uh, Gardner Minshew must have been on one. The Colts must have been on one. And who's the defensive back for the, um, I can't think of his name, for the Patriots, came round and he didn't know what to do. So he just started yanking at someone's leg. And I was like, Jesus, like, that's not how you defend it. But it's like, that's what some people are like. They don't like players don't know, but that's the danger. Then it's like someone just yanks at a leg. Um, I don't know why he didn't draw a foul. Maybe it's because there was no like, aggression to the yank but i was like jesus that's still like that's how an ankle gets done or you know and he gets popped or something yeah like I, like i suppose franchises like you, you, you always see it in practice any kind of video or film you see for any team you know the quarterback has has a specific bib and specific color don't mm. touch the quarterback you know so and then we see we see in franchises basically get ruined and teams get ruined and look, look at the jets to be honest like or or someone like it's interesting to see now where the bengals will go with the joe burrow injury so your quarterback is your franchise i don't know we like we like to Complement every other position, skill position. But to be honest, without the quarterback operating at a high level, it's hard for a team to operate at a high level. It's very, very hard to move the ball. So I, I, I agree to a certain extent in, in, in the sense that you are putting Jalen Hurts in the fire line. You know, you're, you're, you're going up against big 300-pound nose tackles who are just going to fall on top of him. And, you know, you can see you've, how, how many times have we seen the most innocuous of tackle or innocuous of, of, of incident result in a major injury to a player. So, um, But the trouble is, you see, and what I kind of get torn about, it's so successful. It's so successful. Yeah. So, like, if yeah. it's so successful and it's going to get a team points and it's team first and yeah, yeah, it's all team ethos, team's going to keep doing it. They're going to keep, like, Sirianis keep going to call it. He has an opportunity to come away with seven, six points or seven points uh, with that play. He's going to do it. And it, it team, signs, are, signs are showing the success rate they have is so high that teams haven't found the answer to do it. But I, I do think that if Hurts does... You know, does get injured? There's a high probability he'll come in one of those type plays. Yeah. Um, because like like that, you're right about Mahomes. Like you want to kind of, you know, mind your resources. He's the he's the, he's the largest resource the chief has as his horse with, with with Philly. So yeah, it's, it it comes with dangers, but it also comes with, with an upside. But the quarterbacks, yeah, we've seen a lot come down. It's it's uh it's it's <laughs> it's going it's changed the landscape as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think basically when you look at the Steelers, I wasn't overly impressed with them over the last fortnight. Sorry, sorry, I've jumped now, Mark. I've jumped across. To no, no, please. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and now I'm looking at the Steelers going, God, you know, two two of the major quarterbacks in the division are gone. What what can they do now? You know, it seems like Baltimore are going to run away with things. Um, so Burrow is gone. Watson's gone. Now can Kenny Pickett and the boys pick it up? Uh, you were saying about the OC for the Steelers. I thought he should, he should have been gone a month ago when it came out about what he was doing online under a pseudonym or whatever it was. But yeah, that's, that's the decision that had to be made if you ask me. Um, but the quarterbacks, yeah, I was just talking about obviously how much you can you can change or can you can change your the, the teams, you know, how to navigate situations like and how you how you tailor games. Like and you mentioned last week, um I think it was yourself or I think it was you mentioned last week with Matt Jones that how basically the Patriots um often Bill O'Brien kind of structure the plays Due to Mac Jones's Mac Jones's like inability to execute, so now you look at teams where they they don't they don't have quarterbacks like the Jets are obviously 
Now the Browns are going to do it. Now, you know, the Bengals are in the same situation. And it's like our offensive corner is going to try and tailor game plans to suit the quality of player they have at their disposal. I think they have to. You know, truthfully speaking, you can't go out there like with a just sling it, thinking you've got you still have Deshaun Watson. I think you still have Joe Burrow. You don't. So I had the Bengals down as an AFC Championship game contender, and I'm I'm pulling back on that now. I'm pulling way back on that. I just think that the landscape has changed too much. Yeah. So I mean, we we actually have to get out of here early because. Um... It's my fault with the Zoom. We have a 40-minute meeting and I uh, waffled to uh, James who we entered in. So it's definitely a bit of a shorter podcast. So I will move us on. But kind of what you're saying there is completely related because we have seen this massive week. Obviously, last week we were in time to talk about what was going on in Buffalo and that Ken Dorsey was out and that they had changed to Joe Brady. We won't go as in-depth into it as we thought we might, but I will say in terms of that landscape in the AFC now, you're kind of alluding to it there, but we might expand on it a bit more. The um, If you were to rank, I suppose, those teams that were in the playoff mix, now, look, we're going to leave the Chiefs there because they should still win their division, although this is completely related because there is AFC West teams hanging around there. The yeah. Browns at 7-3. and three. Obviously, they don't have their quarterback and... Yeah. The Steelers game the other day was shocking offensively, but they do have a really south defense, number one in the league. The Bills at six and five, obviously, we just said they got ready, rid of Ken Dorsey. I was talking to Phoebe Schechter, who obviously has her Bills background, and she was definitely saying that that whole thing that you hear that Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen are friends, they definitely were friends. So, you know, they're behind the scenes. I'm sure Josh Allen is upset about it. The Bengals are five and five without a quarterback. We saw obviously them lose, and we, we haven't seen them without. Joe Burrow yet, but we know that even when he wasn't playing his best, that they stank at the beginning of the year. The Broncos at five and five, the Steelers in six and four. No, Matt Cannon now. We'll see what their offense looks without that offense coordinator. And I'm going to char- throw the Chargers in there as well because they had high expectations. I'll run through them really quickly again, and maybe you can just tell me the standout ones that you'd be positive about or ones that you wouldn't go near with a barge pole. The Browns, Bills, yeah. Bengals, Broncos, Steelers, Chargers. Okay, I think the Chargers, they have no dependability, if you ask me. Whether it's coaching or player personnel, I have to put them inside and say, no, I don't view you as a contender. Uh, the Steelers, I don't think they have the quarterback play. They don't have the firepower, if you ask me, truthfully speaking. They can grind out victories, but they can't get it done. Um, the Bills are quite sporadic. I think the, I think the Jets game came at the right time for them, if you ask me. Um, that, that kind of opposition who, who obviously have their own struggles. I, I think Josh Allen is a fabulous quarterback. Um, I just don't know, do they have the collective pieces to make a challenge for the game. I think they're counting to the lucky stars, the likes of the Browns and the Bengals, who now I'm ruling out. Two solid teams, two great two good franchises this year. They have really good upside. You know, young, young teams, both of them. Uh, Browns class defense, Bengals would have had a, a savage offense, but for me, when you lose your quarterbacks, you're done for me. Um, Broncos, Broncos are surviving. It really surprised me. They've beaten, correct me here now, Mark, they've beaten the Packers, the Chiefs, Bills and the Kings in the last four games. Uh, I think. Yeah, and the, um, the Vikings obviously were the longest win streak at five in the NFL when they got knocked off the other day. Obviously, late late in the game, it was it was absolutely a sputtering Broncos offense that it had nine yeah. drives that were five field goals and four punts. But yeah, I think I suppose it, a bit like the Lions on the weekend. I like when a team is able to have poor performance and still get yes. the win. I suppose some credit has to be. And the defense now has 12 turnovers in three games. Obviously, if you do the monsters, it's four a game. I think they had four in this one. Yeah. 
that defense, if they can rely on that, I mean, that's what we were saying about the Cleveland Browns. If they can rely on the defense to be good and then have just enough from the offense, and this was an offense, obviously, that I'm saying included Sean Watson. The Denver Broncos, yeah. and especially in this landscape that we're talking, a lot of these teams don't have their quarterback in place. And, like, it means that I hope that the Bills start to play well because otherwise it's going to be, like, it's going to be just the Ravens and Chiefs. And the AFC is supposed to be the really strong side. But it's just, like... Yeah, it was, the- it's you're just right. wiped out so by right. injury. Yeah, you're so right. Like, like we we spoke three weeks ago or four weeks ago. I remember the podcast where we were talking about the strength of the AFC and we listed out all the teams and quarterbacks. It was awesome. Now I'm looking at the obvious ones are Ravens, uh, Chiefs, Dolphins for me. I can't trust the Jags, even though they've got a good record. The Texans, I'm still waiting for the day that... Oh, I'm hoping. You know, hey, there's a big week this weekend is the Jags play the Texans for the top of that division. I yeah. love the Texans. Last week, I know I said it, but I that was my favorite game, I think, of the year so far, the Bengals-Texans game, just because yeah. I loved how CJ Stroud was airing out the ball and, and the kind of the signs that we saw. So maybe the Texans can bring a bit of excitement into the playoffs then. But otherwise, you're relying on someone like the fucking Raiders who are hanging around there or the Broncos or someone like this, which is insane. Yeah, the Broncos, I have to give them credit for what they've done, how, how they've turned around basically a 70-point thumping at the hands of Miami to come away with four victories against three teams who have winning records. You know, and we're just talking about the Chiefs as being the division, sorry, not the division, but the conference leader in 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 line with the Ravens. Uh, Packers, look, they're, they're sporadic. But like the Bills and Vikings, two strong teams as well. So I, I, I think really there's only kind of four teams, five teams that could really, really contend, you know, for me. Um, and like when you, when you see the AFC, four, three weeks ago, there were seven teams, if not eight teams. Whereas now it's, it's decreasing. And as the weeks go on, barring injury, obviously, I, I think I think the pool will get closer. I think Ravens will, ex- will extend, you know, the AFC North and they'll just put away. Chiefs, I think, will see out the West. Um, I think Miami will pip the Bills, to be honest, for the East. The South in, as you said, <laughs> it's going to come down to it. You know, it's going to be, how, how they go head to head, I think it'll come down to it. You know, with Jags and Texans. But I, I personally, I like the Texans franchise. Maybe it's because it was like, JJ Watt, what he, what he, what he did. And I, I kind of... I, I kind of grew to like them from the hard knocks. So, yeah, I'd like to see them because I, I, I trust their defense. Um, and obviously, I trust their quarterback, regardless if he's a rookie or not. And this is the same time they're acting together. The Broncos, I don't trust them. I, I give credit to them for what they've done, but I just don't trust them. I just don't see that, that Peyton Wilson relationship really going for any ways forward than any ways forward than a wildcard game. I can't see any further than that. But, yeah, I'd say you're looking at probably you're looking at Chiefs Ravens at the moment. Yeah, I think I put the Ravens in my number two in the power rankings, but I'm hoping that the Miami Dolphins get a bit of a push on. It is definitely an interesting one. I will say, as far as the Broncos go, as we wrap this up, because we're under a minute left on Zoom here, um, <laughs> they did show a bit of consistency in that uh, Courtney Sutton, Samaje Pri, Ryan and Jerry Judy all had just the bare 60 yards, but obviously three receivers that are knocking around there. I wonder, is Sean Payton, and specifically because I'm reading a book in the Saints Dynasty or whatever you want to call it, that link with Breeze and Payton, Payton has an extravagant offense. Maybe, maybe Russell Wilson is after wrapping his head around it. We're going to wrap up there before this kicks us off. Everyone, thanks for listening. Maybe next week we'll hit the uh, NFC ranking uh, for James Gell. I've been Mark Hogan, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Mark.